0: And welcome to the very 160th episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. This is a podcast all about board games, board games, and board games. My name is Tom Brewster, and I'm joined today by the wonderful Matt Lees. Hello! And the wonderful, I couldn't think of a different word other than wonderful, Ava Foxfort.
1: (laughs) That just means that you said the word wonderful more tentatively in a way that like, (laughs) definitely feels bad. And the (laughs) "Mm, wonderful. Wonderful? (laughs) I was doing air quotes that whole time. (laughs) Uh,
0: On this podcast, we're going to talk about a couple of games that we took some tentative peeks at during our online convention, or shucks, which was not last week, but the week before. Is that true? No, it was last week. Yeah. Yeah, it
1: Resultful. was some time ago.
2: No one, no one exactly knows how much time or where or when. It was a different time. It was a quantum object. I've apologized <laughs> for the things we did. It was a long time ago. No, it was it was a it was a little while ago. We uh, we all lost our minds a little bit having two or three days of silliness and live shows and playing live games. It's good fun. A lot of the stuff is still on on Twitch. If you want to go and check out the. The videos that get recorded by Twitch temporarily and we've got a bunch of it recorded as well so probably over Christmas period we'll put some of those videos online. There was some very silly stuff um, in terms of game shows, some great guests came along and also we got to try loads of upcoming or recent games, some of which we got to try digitally, some of which we got to try with our hands. And some of which uh, I got to try with my hands whilst other people played them digitally.
0: (laughs) I think that's a couple of the ones in here, right? Like, a couple of the ones we're going to talk about are exactly that. That weird chimera of of physical and digital using, you know, everyone's favourite component in board games. Matt Leeser's hands.
2: Yeah, it's the cyborg
0: hand special, I guess. Because really, (laughs) that
2: is what it is, right? If you've got my hands and you're controlling them via a computer, then what is that if not a cyborg?
0: That is the most cyberpunk thing. I mean, it's I've like a borg heard. borg. Well, a borg It's like
1: a borg borg, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's you're not adding a cybernetic. I mean, you are adding a cybernetic thing, because cybernetic doesn't mean robots, so actually I'm being wrong, but in trying to be correct. Well, there has to
2: be there has to be the internet connection. You're organic, Because right? if somebody was just in a room telling me what to do with my hands, then that wouldn't be there'd be no cybernetic stuff involved at all in there. That would just be uh, mm, something yeah. that, you know, businessmen pay a lot of money for. Um, but <laughs> Uh, because somebody's doing it over the internet and that is a required component, I do feel like there's an electronic element.
1: To yeah, it. no, that's fair. And basically what it means is that it's turning me into someone who's got really, really long arms that can go all of the way from Yorkshire to <laughs> exactly. London. So you've got like, and so... that's the
2: thing that cyberpunk as a sort of genre didn't predict, right? They predicted that you would have <laughs> eyes that could scan things and legs that could run up buildings and jump and maybe, you know, claws and stuff that were made of metal but they didn't predict that you would have arms that could reach from yorkshire to london so tom would you like to tell us about the games that we're going to be talking about
0: today today we're going to be talking about three games we're going to be talking about dinosaur world a game of petting dinosaurs you don't pet dinosaurs locking dinosaurs away in cages and having people look at them and maybe get eaten. We're going to be talking about Floating Floors, a kind of dexterity game about balancing on little tiny pieces of paper with wood underneath them. And we're going to be talking about Echoes, a game about mysteries and the audio contained therein. Wow, that l- I really screwed the pooch on that last one. <laughs> I like that. That is appalling. Mysteries
2: and the audio contained therein. I think that it sounds, sounds like, like a Crew Trime podcast. A Crew Trime podcast. Oh, <laughs> oh no. It's going to be one of those days. Crew Trime. Today Crew on Trime. Crew Trime Stories. <laughs> Who Crew
0: Trime Stories. Who done
2: the The Mad Bird. <laughs> <laughs> Who done... The bad birder. (laughs) I gotta know. So this is Dinosaur World, a uh, game from Pandasaurus Games. And not to be confused with Dino World or Dino Island or Dinosaur Island, because there's an awful lot of games that seem to involve dinosaurs and locations, be it islands, parks, uh, worlds. I don't think we've had Dinosaur Galaxy yet, but give it time. So this is a very novel, unique concept for a game which imagines what would it be like if somebody could take the DNA for a dinosaur and bring them back and put them in some sort of dinosaur park full of dinosaurs that people could then visit as an attraction. And what would that be like? Would there be risks involved with that? Um, Who, you know, what sort of people would you cast if you were going to make a film of that? There's all sorts of questions that get, that get brought (laughs) up by this, by this scenario. Um, It is a colorful, chunky thing. I'm talking chunky. You know, this is a, a normal-sized box, to be honest, it's not a gigantic board game box, but the components therein are are chunk. You've Thick. got like yeah, you it's th- you've got like chunky wooden dinosaurs. Um, they're not like overly massive, but they're, they're they're about the right size. You feel like that's a good size for a dinosaur. Any smaller, I'd be disappointed. You've got these lovely big uh, hex tiles, which you place to build out your little dinosaur park. And then you have these wonderful, big, chunky DNA dice, which do look like um, a kind of amber resin. I mean, they're not, I don't Mm -hmm. think, but they look like a kind of yellowy, transparent, um, delightful chunk with different DNA things on that you can collect and amass, and then convert into dinosaurs. Now this is basically a Euro game of what if you are running a dinosaur park? Me and Quinn's played this um, on Twitch and I think we're both quite surprised by it in terms of it's a lot more interesting than it has any right to be. Um, there's stuff going on, <laughs> on in it, which, which was unexpectedly like, oh, this is quite cool, actually, for something that honestly, just going to put this out there, could have been quite easily tritened by the numbers and, and just another thing. Right. I'm not a big fan of spin off stuff and riffing on stuff. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just a horrible miser in that regard. It's not my fault. It's just how I
0: You're am. You're a dino curmudgeon.
2: I am, I can be, alright, I can be a dino curmudgeon. So we have this round of effectively taking it in turns to buy different things for your park or to, to grab some DNA from the selection of DNA dice, but then a lot of the game actually gets activated with everyone playing on their own little board and going around and spending their DNA to get dinosaurs, unlocking things, and then actually running their little jeep around their park, giving some people a tour of your little dinosaur park. And it nips along at quite a rate because of this. Because basically, you know, the element of waiting for other people to make a choice is quite short. And then a lot of the actual decision stuff happens with you just looking at what you've got in terms of resources and what you can do on your board and making some choices about what you want to do. Now, the thing about this game that is really quite neat, I think, is the mechanic to do with effectively boredom. <laughs> because... <laughs> because the pickle you've got right once
1: you've seen one dinosaur you've seen them all yeah yeah,
2: that's what i've always said (laughs) exactly and i mean the thing is i like this a lot because it does speak to a truth about humans and the fact that if we actually did bring dinosaurs back to life and you could see them it would be the most amazing thing you'd ever seen in your life the first time and then they'd just be a thing that were around, and you look at them and be like, "Yeah, it's dinosaurs," and that would be it. In the same way that like you can get the best sofa or TV in the world, and it's amazing for a day, and then it's just your sofa or TV. It's just like the human brain just acclimatizes to anything immediately, for you know, good and bad. It's not all a negative thing. So, because of this, the nature of it is that. You have your little jeep that you can move around and because it's a euro game there's a track for upgrading your jeep in terms of you know making it move further and getting bonuses for that but this jeep effectively is going to take a route around your park and it has to start it doesn't have to a full loop but it has to start at the open point of your park like where the entrance is and then move along from there and every place it stops you're going to get to do stuff you might get some bonuses you might get to roll some dice and get some stuff but a lot of this is just going to be the fact that people are going to be excited by seeing stuff. And there's a little thing at the bottom of your, each section which will tell you like how many excitement points you're going to get for stuff going on. But every time you visit a tile, you then put a little tiny number chip that just says minus like minus one or like minus two or whatever. <laughs> and And this effectively just makes things less exciting. So it's like people have seen that now, which means next time it's not going to be as exciting and excitement kind of matters because excitement basically is what's going to be getting you a lot of the money each round at the end of the round you're not going to keep your excitement it's going to be translated into ticket sales effectively which really does actually give this game a kind of unexpectedly kind of theme parky vibe like the, the old theme park games yeah um i like the kind of cynicism of it in a way of being like okay get the new attraction in get the people on them but then, accept that people are going to get bored of that roller coaster pretty quickly, and you have to get something new in. But the the bite point of it really is the fact that a lot of these buildings that will do cool things aren't very exciting. Like you could have a DNA lab or something that's going to get you some more DNA every time you visit it, but the, the kids don't want to. It's, it's boring, right? Like you want to go they and to see, see the dinosaurs? They want to see blood. <laughs> they want to see they want the to dinosaurs see someone get eaten. Don't we all? And so. The issue with this, though, is filling up these enclosures with dinosaurs is a key part of unlocking the maximum amount of excitement of like an area, right? If you turn up to the raptors and there's like one, we I mean, we all know what that's like just from being to the zoo, right? Where you're looking into a um, yeah, the a raptor's and like, in its corner. You're like, it's where's the like snake under a
0: rock? Exactly. It's, it's like, oh, they're it's not,
2: not here. doing anything. Exactly. Yeah. You're like, you can't even yeah. find it. You're like, where is the raptor? Oh, it's over it's there. It's not in. Oh, I was hoping
0: it's to pop to Lidl.
2: Yeah, right. I wanted to see it eviscerating someone. This is boring. <laughs> um, so what you can do, then, if you can, like, build a dinosaur enclosure, and then keep spending that DNA rounds to build more, build, build, build more dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> and then when you've got loads of dinosaurs, when you visit, you're going to get loads of excitement, and you're not going to be hampered by that kind of residual boredom. But then it's like. Yeah, so that, that that's the kind of the, the immediate bite point. And I should add like, we haven't played a full game of this yet, but that was a a kind of bite point that I thought was really fun of being like are you going to basically be like doesn't matter, get them to look at that one raptor, we need the money, or are you going to be like no, come on, let's let's try and slowly <laughs> let's make build the, up
0: the the raptor enclosure something that people are going to write home about. Exactly.
2: And then it's like no. rather than turning up and it being like well, I guess you still get three excitement because you have got loads of raptors, but people are kind of bored of them. You can just turn up and be like, right, eight excitement right off the bat. Like, cause it's like, nobody's seen these before. This is the most exciting thing in the world. Hoorah. I think that Dinosaur World appeals to me and I'm looking forward to, to getting it to a table physically and playing a proper game or two because of the fact that it does actually thematically do stuff. Not even in terms of, like, dinosaurs, really, although there is a touch of to that, but just in terms of the the realities of running a theme park, of being like, <laughs> right, we've been open for three years, we have to we have to start the tour in a different location because people are just <laughs> sick of that, sick of those dinosaurs. In the same way that when you go to Alton Towers, you, you occasionally, or like, you know, you do occasionally stumble upon, like, old parts of the park where you're like, mm. oh, wow. Like, this clearly was a centerpiece at one point but now it's like kind of rubbish and faded
1: yeah. it definitely sounds really good to kind of find a way to like yeah i say th- i think i'm really agreeing with what you were saying which is that like you almost want an efficiency game to be like being boring is more funny than being exciting because then the being efficient about something is good so making dinosaurs just that bit more boring both thematically and like in terms of the game of being like yeah it's a raptor but essentially it's just a resource for generating excitement and and it's gonna get bored of it eventually it's a feature and people will be
2: bored of it very quickly um yeah again yeah i guess Um, you're right it creates a mundanity around it right
1: yeah which, um, uh, maybe which is kind of you want that contrast to have like a funny situation around the table and have people being able to say funny things which is one of the actually one of the nice little pleasures of board games it is like is yeah
2: is giving people the opportunity to to have fun and make jokes that they feel like are their own well actually you've kind of been handed them and on that topic like the dinosaur element of this really aside from the fact that you've got little wooden dinosaurs you're putting on your on your board is the fact that at the end of each turn um you're going to look at your risk meter versus your security meter and that many people are going to die. Because uh, it's like, it's like, yeah, I guess some dinosaurs kind of got a bit, you know, we didn't have them a bit completely less. under control. But also you have the fact that you can choose to have more dangerous dinosaurs in your park when you're building these enclosures. And the more dangerous ones mean that every time people visit the enclosures, you're going to be rolling dice that will have a higher probability of resulting in deaths. So, and then it's one of these funny things of like, you basically just collect tokens to represent deaths that have happened in your park. and At the end of the game, <laughs> oh, you kind of get penalized if you're the park that had... The... No, no, it's not. You get penalized, but if you... <laughs> I
0: don't know if I'm misremembering this from the stream, but is the rule with the deaths, like, it's the disparity between your opponent's deaths and your deaths. Like, your deaths are, like, considered the, like, the baseline danger for a dino park. So, like, let's say you had, like, the lowest player had five deaths, yeah, the that, that may like well 12. be 12 yes that yeah. may well be it and, and that again <laughs> like... makes me love so much the idea that it is like of course you're, you're opening a dinosaur park like five deaths is to be expected yeah right the first month or <laughs> it's two like, of operations, it has gonna be a,
2: a certain number of deaths but that's dinosaur world um again uh i'm pretty glowing about my very early impression of it but I'd, I'd really hold off um hoping to get it to the table and play a proper full game of it and see how it shakes out um it seems neat but Please remember the caveat that this is uh, based on an early impression. And it might not be. It might be rubbish when we actually get into it. <laughs> so um, if you do get really excited and buy it, then that's your prerogative. But don't be like, ah, oh, because don't say I didn't told you so.
0: Don't say I didn't told you so. That's going to go for pretty much everything on this podcast, I think, because yeah. all the games here we've only played just a little bit of, just a little taster. And speaking of, should we move on to our next game, Floating Floors?
1: Yeah. So Floating Floors was something that I tried. This was one of the games that I played with Matt's hands, which meant that Matt was being both me and Quinn's and that led to some uh, enjoyable fun.
2: You playing it via my hands is not really, I don't think that's the ideal way to play a game like this. It's
1: not the ideal way, but it was very funny (laughs) Um, and quite enjoyable and led to like me like having to like getting angry at you for doing something too well for Quinns, and then like trying to butter you up by being really like overly friendly to try and make sure that you would do a good job for me and not like Quinns, which um, <laughs> perhaps is unprofessional i but did we're my best to go be... with
2: to have impartial hands. But yeah, yeah no, I did I, know, I did I find it hilarious where you would get frustrated, but then both of you would get frustrated, but not want to be too frustrated because you didn't want to run the risk of me just being like, well, I'm not going to try <laughs> as hard for you then,
1: am I? Um, That's great. There was an emotional component to it. And anyway. a gun to everyone's head, basically. <laughs> um, uh, so let's actually talk about the game. The game is unusual and a bit hard to describe, but has a lot of clever things in it. You are essentially too... Um, ninjas uh or people sneaking around a building um and trying to collect some stuff um you are one of you is uh represented by a little white player piece and is the light ninja and one of them is the shadow ninja and is represented by a darker piece um and each ninja can only step into a building on the color that it is But what is this building? Well, this building is unusual. And actually, I probably should have looked up the type of architecture that it's trying to invoke with this. But it's called floating floors because the floors are literally floating. Well, not literally. But there's a bit of water. There's paving slabs as the actual board, uh, which is still made up of cards. And then you're not allowed on those slabs. You need to get into the actual house, which is risen up above it. But at the beginning of the game, that doesn't exist. So each turn, you roll some dice, which gets you a selection of little cubes and cylinders and triangles um, of wood. And you also get to pick up one of the actions you can do. And one of the things I really liked about this in terms of something a bit dexterity and push your luck based, like added a push your luck. On your turn, you're allowed to do as many actions as you like until you mess up, basically. So there's a real temptation to try and do and have a big dramatic moment. Um, So the first of these actions or one of the most important ones is taking one of these uh, cardboard tiles, a square tile, and you look at it and some of the, it's broken up into nine squares and some of it is white and some of it is black and that dictates who can stand on it. And it's the opposite on the other side. And you, these are the things you can walk on but you have to have them risen above the main board, which means that you have to put these little wooden tokens only on paving slabs, not on water, and balance Mm. the floor tile on top of those wooden bits. Um, which is fine, it's easy. You just take all of your wooden bits and you put them under a tile and then it'll be nice and balanced and you put the thing down and then you move your your ninja piece onto the board and then you move it along and you go to where you want to go to collect some bonuses that are around the, the edge of the board. Simple, right? No, no, <laughs> <Basically>. <laughs> Because, again, there's a, there's a push your luck thing. that isn't really push your luck, it's like push your understanding of physics um, which is what made it like doubly interesting that Matt was uh, taking was taking the role of being your hands because you had to describe stuff to him anyway we won't go into that because that's not actually part of the game um but you were you've only got a limited number of these wooden blocks and they're useful in two ways they're useful for propping up the the floor tiles and they're useful for th- they're, if you place one in what your color on top of your opponent's color you can then stand on top of that block And actually, there's a third way, isn't there? Because the whole thing of this is that you can do whatever you like with these pieces within a couple of restrictions. But when you put your thing down, you've got to like moving is moving on one square along as if it was just a a moving around a grid kind of dungeon crawly type game. But you can go anywhere in that square. And when you go, you need to not fall over. You need to have this whole construction not fall over. So, like Quinns started off by attempting to balance a piece of cardboard on two bits of wood, creating an enormous seesaw, and believing that that was <laughs> going to work. And maybe it could have, but it didn't. In a different and it fell universe, apart.
2: I think that that might have worked. But an hour yeah, one, no. it was uh, <laughs> it was cursed. It was, it was it had no not a not a chance
1: yeah i don't think it's uh i mean it is literally about a different universe because it is the rules of physics but like also like it's, it probably is getting really good at this game probably is about doing exactly that sort of extreme move audacious
2: mm, um, stuff that but, just about works
1: yeah 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 but uh, as a first turn it's not a great shot but like This, I just found this, I found this like surprisingly interesting. Like I looked at it and I was like, oh, I don't understand what the game is. And that's kind of because the game is obscured in most game terms because the game is physics. The game is where can you put something so that you can put it down um, so that you can balance stuff on top of it. Like, can you do that balancing well? Can you do that balancing in a couple of different orientations? And then you've got the like... Absurd coup de grace of this that just makes it so so pleasingly ridiculous is when you pick up one of these like five bonus tiles that you're supposed to be uh collecting, you can't just pick it up because you're next to it. When you collect it, you have to do the the rotating maneuver to collect it, has got a special name and I have forgotten it. Um, to collect that piece, and that involves taking the tile and rotating it uh 90 degrees oh wow in the direction that the tile is telling you to rotate it and this gives you a tile that you can then spend to rotate other tiles in that direction and like that extra layer of stuff on top of something that is fundamentally like right how do we balance that and it's how do you balance and then rotate and how can i find a route that means i can move b- balance rotate move pick up rotate move 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 balance and and it's <laughs> It's so much cleverer than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I
2: I found it funny because I was like having to learn the game as we played as well, because, you know, you were telling me what to do, but I was basically having to try and interpret what you were trying to do. Otherwise it would be disastrous (laughs) because it was about like kind of envisioning a future situation of balance, you know? So me getting things slightly wrong and starting to realize that like there were kind of optimal pieces for different positions and realizing it's like, oh, well, you know, these cards are only split into three by three into nine different spaces but actually where you place things within that space is completely up to you and has a massive impact on like the stability of things and realizing it's like oh okay we want to have this triangle piece on this corner at this angle because that will provide the best balance but i think it was the turning the lifting things up and rotating them by 90 degrees that really actually that was the spice that finished it off for me and the fact that you were allowed to like pick the piece up with one hand, pick up the whole card with one hand and rotate it. But because these cards had bits on them as well, it meant two things would happen. It meant like the things on the cards might slightly move around in that transition. And also there's a chance that in the process of doing it, you were going to slightly nudge or knock the pieces underneath as well. So it meant that like, you could be as careful as you wanted when placing things initially, but that wouldn't mean that next time you came to stand on that, area that the foundations were the same which i thought was really neat
1: yeah yeah and and you're rotating stuff and that means that things that you think you've balanced perfectly are suddenly like actually in a different orientation to what they were before in a way that's so hard to come come up with but then also i i felt like the final moments of that like i i was like into it for for the get as soon as we figured out what was going on, I found it like an amusing experience, and the thing that like made it for me was when we managed. I could I concocted and you helped me deliver like a absolutely ridiculous um, final turn where I was miles behind. I thought Quinns had a, a fairly obvious route once he had some more some more cubes and it was all going to be it was all shot and i was just like right i've just got to do this i've just got to like do the best thing i can and this elaborate concoction of plans that was like moving balancing building rotating grabbing rotating using that rotation to set me up for the next thing um and it's delightful and we didn't even get to the point like you are allowed to add at higher levels yeah like yeah. it's not just a two. We, we we only played with like the first level of the floor but we could have actually very easily jumped up and had more um another layer of balancing so you're then you're balancing on top of balancing and oh there's there's so much weirdness that you can do there oh and i didn't even mention the the most absurd thing which is that when someone messes up the other player gets to rebuild the tile they are sitting on however they want. So (laughs) they can leave you in the worst possible position, although they still have to make it balance, which means that they can't completely do you in. They can just make it so that there's just enough difficulty that your next turn is going to be horrible. But yeah, they could easily just completely ruin it. And yeah, I don't know. There's There's a significantly cleverer than I would have expected um, and significantly more... Like, I was talking to the designer beforehand or the person who was demoing and um, there's definitely an element of... It, what he was saying was, it's it's not very clear whether it's really a dexterity game. And I think this was a comment you got on your Kabuto Sumo game, yes, Tom. yeah. Like, is it really a dexterity game if it's not so much about how you're moving your hands so much as how well are you understanding the physics of this particular situation mm. and so like it is a physics-based game rather than just a dexterity game um it's still going to be tough if you've got poor dexterity um unless you have matt nearby who will f- do it for you Borg, <laughs> matt it, it does
0: seem like the the what you would describe as the the sort of dexterous or dexterity aspect of the game is just there to provide a sort of fuzziness to the edges rather than something you're building the whole game off. Yeah, That's definitely true of Kabuto Sumo, where, like, ultimately it's a game about, like, you know, trading up your pieces and then sort of like nudging things in the in the right, you know, seeing a sort of sequence of pieces that you can push to sort of deliver a final blow and about setting that up and then achieving it. But then alongside that, especially the special pieces you get in the game provides a significant level of like, Utter fuzz, where you're like, I'm gonna push this piece onto the board, and I've no idea what it's gonna do, or like you have a rough idea of what you want it to do, but because the shape of the piece isn't just gonna perfectly slot, you know, you're pushing a, a square into a circle, or a circle into a bigger circle, or a big lumpy circle into a circle, <laughs> you're gonna create these weird physics interactions that you completely hadn't planned for, um, or that you'd only just not planned for a little bit. It just makes the edges a little bit, a little bit weirder. Um, yeah
1: yeah no, and mm. it's 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 interesting, I think even more than Kabuto Sumo, from what I saw from your review, like that game it feels like it is about special abilities and and odd tokens and like getting to do slightly different things like that's part of what makes this into a board game, and I thought there was very little of that in this, like this felt like it was a very purely physics based thing. Mm without without a lot of like oh if i can be efficient by getting i mean collecting the tokens allows you to move in certain ways but still that's yeah I mean, that's choosing how to rotating. place
2: yeah choosing how to place the the tiles that represent the rooms so you can you know you can more effectively traverse but yeah no it's there was an element of strategy and tactics in there but it was it was primarily a combination of physics and memory really wasn't so, yeah. it
1: yeah, yeah, which is un- just very unusual.
2: And yeah, it was really unusual. I don't know... Uh, ninja, ninja Floors, I was going to call it. I don't know Floating Floors... I don't know about the availability of that or when that's going to be um, out in the wild. But yeah, do also check out Tom's video review of Kabuto Sumo. It goes on the website Sumo. very recently.
0: Yeah. A lot of people... And I'll clear this up now while I'm on the podcast. I've got more comments... On that video about the extractor fan over the top of my hob than anything in the actual video review. Wow, a lot of people seem to think that I've got a TV above my hob um, because it's this big uh, shiny glass reflective surface. Um, I've got my friend's got one of
2: those as well, and he
0: gets the same thing. People like is that a TV? It's like no, it's no, it's just some rubbish glass. It doesn't work either. It doesn't work. It's the problem of trying to make an
2: extractor fan look, like, too nice and fancy. Yeah. And then it becomes, like, a feature that
0: people are like, what is that? And it's like, it's nothing. It's just nothing. Tell me, What's it's cyberspace a cyberspace object you've got in your kitchen. You know what it was? It was a class one electrical hazard, according to the electrician. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. You've got to have one, one of those, though, haven't
1: you? <laughs> like, you got to have, have one of
0: those. You've got to. I think every flat comes with a couple as standard. At least that's what the uh, the letting agents told me. <laughs> <laughs> so the final game we're going to talk about on this podcast is Echoes the Cocktail. Uh this is a tiny it's a really small box. I think Matt you actually lost it before the stream. I did. Uh, it I was panicked. so small. I was panicking.
2: It was so small. Um <laughs> it was it was underneath like under it was on the floor basically. Which sounds disrespectful, oh. but at that point, lots of things are on the floor. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you were at
0: various Yeah, absolutely. Just but it's a tiny
2: lapse. box with just some cards and some bits of cardboard in it.
0: And that's it. Mm. It's a tiny little box. And it has... The reason it can be this small is because it's mostly an app. Because this is a audio adventure game where you're playing a lot of the sounds that you're using to solve a case uh, from a little app on your phone. So it's just the cards. And then you basically can... Cross-reference those cards with the app. I don't know what the app interface looked like on your end, Matt, because this was, again, having Matt touching the components when hand sort of looked onwards. It was a Matt Hand special. So it was, uh,
2: it was very, very easy. It was just a case of like, oh, you know, when you loaded it up, you chose which of the boxes you had because there were like three different um, kind of boxes that have different stories. Mm. And then after I did that, all I had to do really was press a button to play a kind of intro to it generally. And then you just use your camera to basically... Um, point the camera at the card and it recognized the pictures and then you could play the entries effectively
0: and that was it really that's very nifty and to explain what this game is a little bit more so it is an audio adventure detective sort of game you've got these cards and you scan them and you get them the app to play the sounds that are associated with those cards and this game immediately threw Ava and I because the plot (laughs) in question here centers around this murder uh, outside of a sort of speakeasy that's run by a gang and the goal of the game the actual thing you need to do is just get all the cards in the right order but to do that you're going to have to solve this audio mystery and there was this instant surprise in that the first card that we picked had someone making a drink Uh, and then we very quickly realized I don't think this is a spoiler to talk about that we should have been paying more attention to that drink because the exact order of how it was made would tell us who it was made for because the gang that's operating out of the speakeasy all have their specific orders. So we had to pay attention to, like, how many ice cubes were dropped. Was it shaken? Was it stirred? Et cetera, et cetera. And that would lead us to the identity of this person. And I think the, the fact that we were that surprised by that early on just made meant that we were just pants at this. We were
1: rubbish. <laughs> Like I think that there's an interesting thing in that like we like definitely doing it with not a lot of time with people in different places and um, Matt's hands <laughs> as an intermediary <laughs> and trying to entertain an audience was like so very much the non-optimal way to play this because I I was weirdly charmed by this. Like I think, I think this isn't going to be for everyone and I think that there's a chance that it's not um not very solid um in I think that it's 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 a very bizarre structure it doesn't really make any sense like the idea that you're trying <laughs> to put these cards in order so that you can and it kind of does because you're piecing together what someone did over the course of the night and then you piece together various different people what they did together and once you've linked together these cards it kind of plays you the full audio with some extra bits that gives you a little bit of extra information which means that you can and eventually if you can reconstruct the events of the entire night you'll know what has happened you'll be so that's gifted what you're aiming to you'll,
2: do. you'll have like you know effectively on the mind like a 10 minute or so clip of some quite uh, cheesy and ropey radio play <laughs> acting. Yes. Oh, it was that's so bad, reward. but it was so delightfully. I know bad. that's it, yeah. <laughs> like it was it was kind of dark placey. You know, it was it was yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it wasn't like knowingly so bad it's good, but it was it was bad in a way that was quite endearing.
1: Yeah. Um especially the yeah.
2: I don't know what the other scenarios are like, um, but the one we were playing was kinda like Mobsters and you know, like a traditional kind of American style uh, gangsters from back in the day. It was like, "Hey, wait, hey, Charlie, what are you doing in here? Hey, 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 hey! <laughs> Give me a drink!" <laughs> uh, with lots of clinking and splashing noises. And were you, <laughs> you in this? I mean, I could have <laughs> been. I could have been. Let's be real. I've got the the CV for it. It was, you know, it was, it was, it was cheesy, but in a fun way. And uh, I was quite surprised as well. I think you two doing yourself down in terms of, you know, I think you did a pretty good job of it. Some of the stuff you were realizing about the... um about the nature of the puzzle I thought was quite interesting because yeah. I wasn't concentrating well, on it at all. Right? Uh,
1: and... The problem was that we were we were at a distance. I don't, I don't think I knew exactly what we were getting into. So I didn't have like a notepad, right? And I think I needed a notepad to start making notes about all of the connections that we were making. Because like that was the problem was that there was this network of stuff and you were experiencing it in a like mostly random order because the idea is to put things into the right order, which means that if you are in the situation we were in and we were all kind of like half remembering stuff and not being really able to pause and go wait I just want to think for five minutes Um, and all of that kind of thing meant that we weren't really exploring it but I think if we had been there's a potential for this to be like a really lovely take on the investigative evening game right because it's probably not too long it's very unique because it's audio based it's very you really are piecing something together and there's room for the the amount of space there is within that for red herrings or getting caught on something that is completely wrong or going in the wrong direction or just, but also discovering things and being like, oh, of course, and being able to put it all together if you've got time. And like, I can see people saying, and like part of me would be tempted to say it, like, well, why isn't it just an app? It just sounds like an idea for an app, but it's like, no, but it's not. Because you've got this swarth of cards of evidence scattered around the table and you're pushing them around and locating them and putting them together and and drawing connections with them like I feel like this is a game that you could legitimately like have a like superb night out if you've got a pin board and a load of bits of string and you decide to play it that way (laughs) and you will get to look like that thing and so while it doesn't make any sense and it's poorly acted and like a bit chunky in a lot of ways i think it's unlike anything else i could definitely see that it will do the stuff that's like that investigative stuff it will do that in a way that could really really land
2: well during the recording of this podcast a package uh of games is headed your way left my house um and it contains uh the small box which i almost lost Um, (laughs) So, so that sounds interesting. I think, I think actually I'd be quite interested to be like, that's gone your way. You can have a, maybe a deeper delve into it and you can kind of report back and let us know, is, is there something there? yeah absolutely
1: like this is very much like especially as i'm being quite effusive about this like this is very much like we played it in the wrong circumstances and i'm mm. saying in different circumstances this is maybe amazing but also possibly a bit terrible and i don't know and so we probably do want to come back to this one in some form or another yeah, um, but I'll let, so. you, I'll let you i'll let you folks know and then i think we'll i think see. the one
2: the one exception to that rule is kind of probably floating floors if on it if i'm honest because i physically you've explained the reasons why it's cool i physically played it with my hands and it's like i can kind of comfortably say that yeah this is a, this is a cool thing like there's not yeah. i don't feel like i haven't seen enough of it to understand it but uh yeah. with uh, the other games absolutely not quite the case yeah and uh yeah so you can crack that case and find <laughs> out who was the big mobster behind it all all along in the mystery of
0: a crime <laughs> the cocktail there's the i think there's 3 available so yeah, yeah if people you know if i think it's one of those things where if you get a group together who does enjoy that format then you can go through multiple different cases that'll be potentially like a little bit weirder and stranger than each other in in new ways maybe do something different with the ways who knows ways. i mean they might all be centered around that yeah. one was that whole gimmick with the the drinks making and i feel like maybe the others might have their own little little swish swish gimmick
2: they were about to release one called the microchip which i think has the probably the greatest potential for truly terrible acting (laughs) Um, (laughs) but who knows
0: who knows that's all for this week on the shut up and sit down podcast number i've just got the podcast little document that we use to write notes in it says podcast 160 it's a podcast and it, it sure is. it really is was we'll be back next week Quins and I are going to be on that one talking about some games that we're quite excited for we've played some games we want to talk about them but until then uh, st- I don't know have a big glass of water I know I can't because my flat's still keep hydrated oh no for a whole week <laughs> just keep really hydrated because Tom can't yeah so do it for Tom yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. do it for me do it for me. Yeah. D-I-F-T. Right. Do it for Tom. Dift. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you again next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.